Will your child be ready for kindergarten? At Chesterbrook Academy Preschool, the answer is yes. Our curriculum offers the perfect balance of learning and play. Our teachers personalize that experience for each child through engaging activities that develop the skills they need to be ready for what comes next. Attend a Chesterbrook Academy open house on Saturday, March 21st from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. To find a preschool near you, click the banner or visit chesterbrookacademy.com. That's chesterbrookacademy.com. This episode is powered by Safety FM. This podcast is being sponsored by safetyconsultantblueprint.com. In this week's episode, we're going to go over how to make OSHA-compliant written programs for your clients. Do you feel that your knowledge would be better served if you were your own boss? Your knowledge can help more people improve their workplace safety. Most of what you know may be wasting in a job that limits what you can do for the overall health and safety of workers. Now is the time to start your own business while you're still working for your current employer. Start your own safety consultant business with the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. Get your business legal in just a week. Brand yourself as an authority in safety, even on a shoestring budget. No more stressing about how to price your services fairly, but still make a profit. And experience the amazing feeling of being your own boss. This 100% online video course is instructor-led and will give you detailed steps to keep you focused as to what to do next to grow your business. Lay out strategies to keep you maximizing your marketing and networking efforts. And explain how to get money in between clients. Register today at safetyconsultantblueprint.com and enter the code PODCAST. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Primus. This is the show where I show you the business of becoming a safety consultant. This week, I really want to focus on one of the services that is key as a safety consultant. I'm going to do it through the U.S. view on OSHA compliance, but I'm going to really talk about written programs. So I've got five things here that is going to help you do not only an OSHA compliant program, but... It's going to be a service that you could have and you could repeat over and over again so you can have a system in place to do these programs over and over again to help you with some money. So that is a service you can't provide. I got it kind of broken up into my process. So this is letting you inside my mindset as in how I do this. So I want you to kind of bear with me because sometimes my mind and my process may be a little bit different than yours, but they, uh, it's comprehensive. So let's say it that way. So first thing you want to do is when you do have a client and you got them on saying, yes, I do, I will provide a written program for you. So however you got to that point and now you're going to provide the service, this is how you're going to go ahead and execute that service the best way you can. So first and foremost, you want to get that client's North American 
Industrial Classification System Code. So again, I'm doing this through the eyes of U.S. through the OSHA compliance model. That's what I know best. So that's the first thing you want to do. That code is the way that uh, the way that businesses are classified per their activity, and it's North American code because it it uh, is for Canada, for the U.S., and for Mexico. So all of North America uses the same code to classify and to categorize different entities' uh, activities as industries. So therefore, you could have someone who is in construction, but their code will be different is, uh, than someone who's in, let's say, residential construction or someone who's in commercial or underground construction. So that means this code is a six-digit code it used to be a four-digit code called the Standard Industrial Classification Code, but now it's a six-digit code, and that's so you can get more and more specialized with what you do. So look up that code. It's important. Once you get the code, and you can ask the client, you know, what codes do you guys work under, and it's by activity. So let's say uh, I had this one call one time where a banking company called me and wanted to know if they have to uh, to follow OSHA record keeping. I was like, oh no, you're banking, you're exempt. And then they're like, oh great, because we're about to do some remodeling on some of the uh, work, or should say some of the houses that they had foreclosed on. And now they're going to start another branch of their company so that they could start working on foreclosures and, and truly doing construction activities. And I said, all right, now you've got a different activity. Therefore, though your banking code NAICS code is exempt from OSHA record keeping, your construction activities is not, depending on a few things. So we had to go deeper into that. So the activity of the bank brought them into construction, and therefore they had a different code for that activity. So just remember that. That is a very important thing to remember the codes. So once you go to the OSHA website, you truly want to look up the inspections related to that code and that's the inspection activity of OSHA. So therefore, every time OSHA does an inspection, uh, you could see it as the most frequently cited standards on the OSHA website and just go through that, put in the code. They'll ask you to put in that NAICS code. I do it for all uh, activities or to say all numbers of uh, employer, so large and small. And once I get that back, it's really going to tell me the things that OSHA looks for for that NAC, NAICS code. And that, in turn, will be the written programs that you need. So I would look through all those things, write down exactly the things that have been cited, go back to your Code of Federal Regulations, your CFR, and then look for the requirements on, you know, the written programs for those things that were cited. That's just one way of doing it, right? So the code is very important for you to first and foremost understand what plans and programs are going to be necessary for that client. Then the second thing you're going to be looking for, and this is also in uh, conjunction with what I was just saying before, is you want to make sure that you know all of the activities and understand all the activities of that organization because if you don't 
you may be missing a written program that you need because they may be also doing something else that you should understand. And there's some things that, uh, for instance, you're not required to have a scaffolding plan on OSHA, but those are some things that you really want to do. So if you want to look up a scaffolding plan or you want to look up something that is going to help you kind of um, use subpart L uh, in 1926 construction just to make you kind of follow along with that, that's a good thing to have. And if your organization has to be vetted through a contractor selection service such as Aveda or a Browser or one of those other companies, ISNet, then you now will have to conform to that and therefore you're going to end up using the CFRs, the guidelines, because that's what they're going to be looking at your written programs to see if you are mentioning specifically in those written programs the things that are outlined in the Code of Federal Regulation. And that's how you could get through those, uh, those type of written program requirements from third-party auditors. So that's two things, actually. So I gave you the NAICS code to understand that, understand the activities of the worker, which is truly, truly important. I, I, those two things, I started with those two things because you can't stress enough that that is going to set you apart from where it is just a template that you're, you're following or something else. It's truly going to make it specific to the client when you get that. Third thing we're going to look for is going to be your OSHA compliance letter for each of those different activities that you identified. So let's say they do lockout tagout. You identify that that's an activity that this company uses and you have to do a control of hazardous energy program. Go into the OSHA compliance letters and go through that. And not only do you want to go through the compliance letters, you want to go through the preambles. The preambles are all of the rules and all of the interactions that it took for a law to become a law. So go through the preambles, get a good understanding of how this law became a law, then go through the compliance letter. And the compliance letter is a letter from the region or a letter from officially from OSHA to the compliance officers that says, when you are looking at this activity, you are going to regulate it this way. And they give you all aspects of the regulation in those compliance letters. So preambles, compliance letters, look through those things, get a good understanding of how your client is going to be regulated for this program, for this activity. And that's also what you're going to include into this written program. So it's going to be comprehensive for a compliance basis. So that is number three. Whipping through these things because I really want to make sure that it's going to be succinct, succinct, concise, and powerful enough for you to really get an understanding of this. The fourth thing that you're going to do is you want to make sure that you are going to be state OSHA compliant. So there might be some state requirements that are different than federal requirements. All of the states must be at least federally uh well, they must have at least the federal minimum for any of their programs. And they have to incorporate anything new within six months of federal OSHA doing something. So uh, within six months, you're going to have a 
transition period for estate OSHA plans. But there's some estate OSHA plans that already have more stringent standards for their state ordinances that you'll have to look at. And then you're going to have to make sure that you comply with your state program. So that means if you have a client that has an office that is going to be federally enforced, then that's a different program in some cases than the written program for someone that's falling under a more stringent state. So you're going to have to make sure that you understand that. You're going to have to price that accordingly. And you're going to have to make sure that the program itself, whatever the written program is, states that this is the one for, you know, Michigan OSHA. Or this one is for Tennessee OSHA. Uh, so whatever it is, then that's your, the way that you're going to differentiate each program that you bid for this client. Next thing that we're going to look for after that, and this is going to be number five, I would say while you're doing these programs, you want to always think about your formatting, okay? So you want to format it in such a way that it has a cover page. You want to format everything, and you do this for each program. You want to format it where it has a table of contents. You also want to format it in a way where it's easy for them to find. So you'll have page numbers on the bottom. You're going to break it up into sections and subsections. And then at the very end, you want to make sure that you have, if it's a reference point or if it's attachments for, you know, for them to write out a form that's associated with this program, you can put that in the end part on the addendum section. So if you do need to switch out different forms, you don't have to place it on a, on a numbered page that's going to mess everything up. So you just take it out as an addendum and then put things in. Uh, some of the requirements will require that you give titles and phone numbers for different positions. Make that as generic as you can, but you still need to be specific enough that you're going to meet the requirements. So therefore, instead of naming, uh, you know, Billy Bob Thornton, <laughs> let's say Billy Bob Thornton is working for this company. I don't know why I didn't thought about Billy Bob Thornton. I haven't thought of that name forever. But anyway, so let's say Billy Bob is the uh, director of safety, and you put the name, the title, and the number there. The name may change because you may have turnover in that position, but generally the title and the phone number will be the same if you do have a company-issued phone. If not, if it's a personal phone, then yes, you're going to end up having to change that. So... In some of the uh, wording of your written programs, you're actually going to, uh, you might put some of that information in the addendum portion. And then, you know, as you get uh, a new change, then just change the, uh, the sheet on the addendum section. Sometimes it has to be like, like literally in the program, like Hascom, you know, you have to put the Hascom person who is responsible for the program right in there. So... That's a little bit different, but I believe the wording of that one is title or name. So I would, again, stick with the title because that's going to be easier. Another thing that you're going to really think about about your formatting, make sure that every program you're going to tell everyone not only the scope of the program, uh, what's it encompass, 
you're going to say the purpose of the program. Then you're also going to have a section for everyone's roles and responsibilities. And then you'll want to do the meat of the program, whatever it is. And then at the end of that program, you want to do training and retraining criteria. So that's important because almost every program is going to have a training criteria to it. So therefore, that's many things that opens up there, right? Because if you're going to be training, that means it could be an additional service to your written program. So it's okay to price your written programs lower because you will know that eventually they're going to need to be trained and in some cases retrained and in some cases annually trained. So you're going to come back to this client over the years. So getting in the, the foot in the door through a cheaper program, written program, I'm not saying free, you can, but it's harder to recoup your money that way. And then it kind of breaks off the scales as the return rate. But other than that, you really want to think of, you know, I'll price this thing lower. And when I talk about pricing, let's give you a little uh, extra tip on pricing. Uh, because this will be the idea for pricing for other services that goes in with what your written program is going to detail out. So um, you could price it by hours and whatever your hourly rate is, just do a three hour minimum because most of your written programs may take two to three hours. So I would say a three hour minimum. Here's my hourly rate. And in the U.S. you might go anywhere between 75 to 200 uh, for a written program. And your hourly rate may be more for consultations, but for doing a written program, you know, 75 to uh, 200, depending on where you live and uh, other things that you have to put in that, that context and the mix might be uh, reasonable there. So if you're thinking about that, I'm doing this program for, let's take it at the lowest, $75 with a three hour minimum per program, right? So if they need, you know, 10 written programs, then at that case, you're actually going to, you know, get a little bit more money. So I've got my calculator here. So if I am doing three hours minimum, and then if you need to do more hours, say that in the contract saying if we need to go out for more hours, that I'm going to ask for some approval before I just go ahead and, and, and bill you for hours because that's only fair. So let's say you could tell after two hours that it's going to take four or maybe five hours to do a program. Shoot your client a quick email saying this one program, it's I found out that it's going to be more than I thought. So I need approval for two extra hours. But if you're only going to be able to do $75 for three hours, that's $225 per program. So let's say you have 10 written programs that you need. That's $2,200 just for the written programs. So that's a good start, right? Uh, again, it'll be up with you know, whatever your hourly rate is uh, for written programs. And again, it should be different than your consulting hourly rate or your, cons or your rate for, uh, for doing audits because that's a different type of work and in a little bit more detail. So in that case, then yeah, it could be a pretty good amount, especially since most organizations are going to at least need, I would say five to 10 written programs. And then each program, like for instance, Lockout Tagout. If you do a written program with Lockout Tagout, part of Lockout Tagout 
in the uh, OSHA compliance is that you're going to need to have specific procedures for each of the equipment that's unique. Therefore, that is a different service. So the written program overall for control of hazardous energy is one price. Writing written procedures for each of the equipment, that's an additional price because that's an additional service. And then training for that for, you know, the authorized people, the affected people and everyone else. And that training itself is an additional service. So therefore, again, it's okay to price your written programs cheaper because you know it's only going to lead you to more work. So how you would do this in a full context is, let's say you're going into a company and you are going to do some training for them. And maybe they're even at your uh, a facility where you were the person who invited the public to come and listen to free training. Someone comes up to you afterwards and say, hey man, I love that training. Can you do something with my uh, company? Because we really need it. And you say, all right, I could go by and I could give you a free written program assessment. And that's what you do. You go there, you sit down, you look at their current written programs. If they don't have one, that's even better. But if they do, flip through the current written program while you're sitting there and start looking through it or have them send it to you electronically and go through it. So that time that it takes to go through the written program as a free service to them, you're going to identify defects. And when you do identify those defects, you tell them, hey, these are not complete enough, or this one's got a sufficient dis uh, uh, deficiencies. So therefore, uh, here is my proposal for fixing these. So don't ask for the proposal, or don't ask if they want you to give them a proposal. That's too late. When you're doing your review of everything, you and your head are going to be calculating how much that proposal should look like. And then when you give them either a report or a summary of what you gave them for free, include with that summary the actual proposal to do the work that you just discovered is deficient. So now they're going to have both documents right there. Here's the summary of what you found, good and bad, and here's the proposal to fix it. And now that you got those two together, that's going to get your foot in the door. They'll get you in the written program side. You start reviewing the written programs and you start updating and adding and whatever you need to do with the written programs. And the next step is when you're actually sitting down there and you're going over the written program with them step by step by step. And this is going to be a process because you're going to send them a draft. They're going to look over the draft and then they're going to send that back to you. You do whatever changes you need, you give them the second draft to go through that, and then you give them the final. Uh, so when you're presenting the final programs, also add, here's the final programs. I identified that you need training in this, this, and this. Here is a proposal for the training that you need, and these are my available dates. So go even further at that point and say, not only do you have the proposal, for these things that we just found, but here are the dates that I could do this proposal for. So they have the price, they have the dates. It makes it easier for them to make a decision right then. Your whole key is you want to make each decision easier and easier and easier. It's the same thing if you come to my house and I say, hey, just go in the fridge there and grab some milk and cookies and go ahead, enjoy yourself. No one's going to feel real comfortable doing that, right? 
But if I presented you a glass of milk and some cookies, and now you're like, oh, cool, Sheldon's awesome. He gave me milk and cookies. Uh, it makes it easier. That decision is, well, it's easier for me to go ahead and partake because it's been offered to me. So that's the, the mindset behind it. So you want to remove all of those uh, barriers. And in your mind, you might be thinking, well, isn't that pretentious? Am I assuming too much? No, you're making it easier for them to make a decision quickly. And you're putting yourself out there first. And if they want to go ahead and price shop, that's fine. Uh, sometimes I do have to do a non-compete or excuse me, uh, NDA and non-disclosure agreement because of some of my unique ways of doing my proposals. Uh, but other than that, you know, you, you, you're okay. They're going to shop around if they need to. And those people may not be the ideal client for you anyway, but you're at least giving them that information that they need. All right. So that's the, the idea behind it. So in summary, you want to first go over the NAICS code, make sure you get a good understanding of that code, look it up on the OSHA website, and uh, you can also look it up in the uh, census.gov, we'll have it too, and the Bureau of uh, Labor Statistics will have uh, NAICS codes as well. You want to make sure you understand all of the activities of, that, uh, of the workers so that you know uh, which program to choose. Look at the OSHA website, find a compliance letter for each component of your written programs, as well as you want to go through the preambles of the law so you understand the heart of the law, the concepts behind all the things with that compliance letter. So now you're going to have a complete view of what those written programs should look like. Then you want to confer with the state programs and make sure you're going to have a state compliance a written program too. So federally compliant, state compliant, state takes jurisdiction over federal. Uh, so you're going to make sure that that looks good. Then you want to make sure you structure it in the right way that is professionally structured. And I will give them an electronic copy and I'll give them a physical copy that they can hold in their hands. And I like to do it bound uh, so that they will have something that is, you know, nice pre uh, presentation. Sometimes not bound, but more of a report paper, if you remember those things, where you could put your written program in between uh, two plastic covers, and then you slide a little plastic spine you know, to keep them all together. Uh, that's what I use, and those are really, really cheap to get uh, from any of those home office uh, stores. Then you're going to make sure that you think ahead as to what other services are now going to come up because of this written program, give them the quote ahead of time and your availability so you'll make it easier for them to use you for those services too. And that is going to be how you're going to get repeat business from this one client. And you're also going to be able to start training them and you get to know the, the client and get to know the people there and you get to understand their needs. And it really becomes more of a, a a better relationship than just customer relationship. It becomes more of a friendly setting for you too. So uh, that's the way that I would suggest that you do your written programs. I got a great tip of a week that's going to bring this to the next level and it's going to cut your time for doing this service so you can actually add 
more clients because you have less time in doing this. And uh, that's going to be the tip of the week. So first we'll have a word from our sponsor and then you will be just mind blown with the tip of the week. Be right back. Do you want to be a safety consultant? Listen to Dr. Jay Allen of Safety FM give his experience after taking the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. I have actually done research on different consultants and looked at different consulting courses and so on. There is a pretty fancy, very expensive consulting course that is out there. I have actually purchased the consulting course, was interested in it. It has good information. Don't get me wrong. But you have a consulting course that really drives people onto focusing on safety and how to become a safety consultant. I will tell you on your particular course, there was better information in that particular regards than the other consulting course that was more of a generalist form. But I figured I felt like I got more information out of yours on you giving people direct path on what to do step by step. But I really think that you have a genuine good product there that can really assist people if they're interested in becoming a safety consultant. Register for the Safety Consultant Blueprint at www.safetyconsultantblueprint.com. Enter code PODCAST for a special discount. Welcome back to the Safety Consultant Podcast. And before we do the tip of the week, which is regarding your written programs and making them ocean compliance and successful, what we're also going to do right now, or what I am going to do right now, is I want to thank you. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. I want to thank you for sharing this podcast. And if you have not subscribed yet, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast. In the future, I really want to make sure that I use this podcast just to reach out to you more and more and more in weekly things, such as uh, maybe a quick uh, one maybe two episodes throughout the week. I'll give you a nice five-minute boost of encouragement and information. So if you are subscribed to the podcast, you'll know when those things come out. I've got a little technical difficulties right now that's not allowing me to do that, but I am addressing those things with the Safety FM people, so we'll be able to do that in the future. And I want to thank you also for listening to Safety FM. So if you haven't yet, download the Safety FM app, which you could get in your iTunes store or your Google store. Download the app, listen to it all day, every day, and then you get to hear all the wonderful people that are in the same safety realm as you are. And you can also listen to the Safety Consultant Podcast with your host, Sheldon Primus. Uh, so I just want to at least tell you guys that and, you know, just encourage you. We're out there to help you. You can think about safety throughout your whole day. Just go ahead, download the Safety FM app and subscribe to this channel. Go to some of the back shows that I've done if you haven't listened to them before. So go ahead and do that. And that's going to help you get a good understanding of where I'm coming from. My heart to serve this community. All right. So let's talk about the tip of the week. So the tip of the week is go ahead and use templates. It's okay to use written program templates. Uh, if you don't have them from a friend or you don't have them anywhere else, uh, go to safetyconsultant.us. You could join our, it's a resource group that I started for safety consultants. And this is a, a group that you could join with just one lifetime membership. 
which is awesome, right? You don't have to worry about monthly payments or anything like that. You just do a lifetime membership and this is going to help you grow your business. So this is a membership that can also give you uh, the wherewithal to make more money. So that's even better, right? And one of the things you can do is download a template. So use a template for your written program. Use all the tips that we went through before in this episode just to make sure that you're going to make this written program specific to your client and compliant with OSHA, federal or state, depending on where you are. And then you're going to be able to to do it that way. If you're international, same thing. Download the template. Use this as a basis just to uh, just to confer or to get a, a good understanding of how to word certain things, because that's important, the wording. And use the templates, look through those things, get the wording right that you need to, and then adjust it for your client to be specific to them. And it'll save you some time, so therefore you could do more of these. And then you'll start building your own library. So therefore, this templates that you can get is going to be good enough to help you. So you could get templates uh, other places maybe, but I know for sure you could get it from the safetyconsultant.us website. And not only will you get the templates, I teach you how to do the actual uh, making it uh, specific to your client. And then you get other things too. You get other trainings and other things that's going to help you. It's a more of a mastermind resource group. And you'll also be able to talk to other professionals. And you'll also be able to uh, have your questions answered in real time as we do a monthly Q&A session. So it's going to be not just downloading the actual template. It's going to be resources and help that's going to help you with your business along with the template. So the tip of the week is use a template so that you could provide this service for your, uh, for your clients. All right. So enjoy. And thank you for listening this week. I look forward to uh, seeing you next week. I encourage you to go to safetyconsultant.us, safetyconsultant.us. Look around, see what uh, downloads you could have there, as well as uh, join us. It'll be great to see you there. So have a wonderful rest of your week, and I will see you on Monday. This podcast is being sponsored by safetyconsultantblueprint.com. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. The Jeep Celebration event is here, which means great deals on the SUVs built to stand the test of time are waiting. Hurry in before time runs out. FCA vehicle owners financing at 4750 total cash allowance on select 2020 Grand Cherokee Laredo 4x4 models and dealer stock the longest. On oldest 20% inventory of 2020 Grand Cherokee Laredo models as of 3-3-2020 in dealer stock. Current vehicle must be registered for 30 days. Financing for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 3-31-2020. Jeep is a registered trademark. Here's the thing about new Cherry Vanilla Coke. Though cherries named first, all the flavors taste just as great. I mean, it could have just as easily been Vanilla Cherry Coke, or it could have been Coke Cherry Vanilla. And since it's two amazing flavors of Coke, it might have been Coke Vanilla Cherry Coke or Cherry Vanilla Coke Coke. Mm, unless you're in France, which would make it Le Coque de la Vanilla de la Cherry de la Creme. 
New Cherry Vanilla Coke, so good together. And New Cherry Vanilla Coke Zero Sugar, same great taste, zero sugar.